Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This is episode number four of the Midlife Crisis Podcast. My name is Jim Whelan. Part of here at Chop Sports in Manawan, New Jersey. Dave Sergio's in the building. Make sure everything goes smoothly. Episode number four of the conversation continues. Uh, we're continuing with the Alabama story. We're moving from West Point to Fairleigh Dickinson University. Uh, I was told, why don't you do a baseball uh, part of podcast? So uh, in the first couple episodes, so here we are. Uh, my, my next guest is the was the sports information director uh, during Coach LaBabble's time at, at FDU. He recently wrote a book, uh, Mr. Met. Uh, and he was also featured uh, about his knee injury in the five-part documentary se- series, Once Upon a Time in Queens. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd like to dedicate this episode to a, a friend of mine, uh, Keith Conway. Keith was a friend who passed away back in February. He was a canine officer. He was an officer for, uh, for seven years, and then he was a sergeant. Uh, he responded to New York on 9-11. He worked Apollo in the aftermath. He also uh, would love this episode. Uh, every time I would talk to him about the Mets, he, saw, he would say, uh, let's go, Mets go. So uh, during this end of this year, the holiday, if you lost a loved one, you lost a Met fan, uh, this episode's for you. Uh, and in this book, there's a, a nice chapter about uh, the Mets' response to 9-11 and what they did to the community. Uh, so th- this episode is dedicated to my friend Keith. Keith, uh, you know, I miss you. And... Uh, yeah, I know you and Bingo are going to be are reunited. Uh, your can- his canine partner. So, with that being said, uh, here's episode number four. Uh, well, first off, uh, Jay, thanks for your time. No, I was with good friends. Okay, and Jay Horowitz, obviously, uh, you know, just talk a little bit about what you do for the Mets, and then we'll kind of go back to you know your time at Fairleigh. Yeah, I was uh, 1980. I became the PR guy with the Mets. Uh, you know, handling regular PR duties, and in nineteen in two thousand and you know, I said in two thousand eighteen, I switched over to become the VP of Alumni Affairs for the Mets, and we handle you know celebrations, uh, anniversaries, number of retirements, uh, Hall of Fame stuff. That's what I've been doing the last five years with the Mets. Okay, just uh, you be you wrote the book, uh, Mister Met. Uh, I, I bought it. I actually, wrote it. And, uh, you bought it. You're the one who bought it, huh? Yeah, exactly. I'm the I'm the guy. So you're the but, guy. Uh, yeah. Th- uh, thank you for uh, y- you know talking about uh, Alabama, and also thank you about the the part of 9/11. That that was uh, I think the the, the two yeah the two part parts that I really kind of well, I appreciate. Like, it. Thank I, you. But uh, just talk about just growing up in New Jersey. Uh, I was really intrigued by the book, being a Jersey guy. And then how you kind of got started as a sports information director at, at Fairleigh Dickinson. Because yeah. it, was almost like, it was almost like America's Got Talent there from reading the book, like what you had there. And that get probably. Well, I, I was never a good athlete. All well, my friends were athletes. So the next best thing for me was to get involved periphery of sports. Like uh, when I was in high school, I worked for the, uh, for the uh, uh, Clifton High School newspaper. When I went to, I was a manager for four teams um, in high school. Uh, when I went to college, I was a basketball manager for Lou Rossini. And when I went to NYU in in ninety in, in 1963, we were the number one team in the country. And guys like, you probably didn't know who they are, guys like Barry Kramer, Happy Harrison, you know. And uh, then I worked at NYU for a couple of years. And then one one day in 1971 or something, Ben Carterville, who was the AD, said, "I'm going to make your job easier. We're dropping all sports." <laughs> so we was had that, no sports, and um, 
And then uh, probably a couple months later, a, a friend of mine who was the sports editor of the record, which is a local newspaper, recommended me for the job at Fairleigh Dickinson. And I started uh, in December of 1972, and I lasted to um, I, until I went with the Mets, uh, you know, the spring of 1980. And just talk a, a little bit, I mean, the tournament last year in typical fairly Dickinson fashion, right? The conference tournament, but they get the big cause uh, Merrimack is not eligible. Then they get the playing game. They win the playing game and then they upset first time in history. Uh, Purdue. Purdue. Uh, 16. Yeah. Just talk about that, you know, being involved in the school. Well, and- I wasn't involved, but the thing, what, what yeah. we're talking about was really Al's dream. Okay. Uh, when he when I when he was the coach uh, uh, for FDU, he was he was a dream was to have a Rothman Center, where we would have a home and away with with, uh, with top teams, and they would have to come back and play us in in New Jersey. Unfortunately, he left before that dream came to fruition, and you know we we uh, when I was my time in FDU, we lost in thirty eight different states. We lost in um, in, in in Texas, Missouri, Utah. Uh, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and it was Al's dream to you know to have uh, you know to have a Georgia come back and play in New Jersey. And then you know after he left, Rothman Center was built. No, I was really you know took a little sense of pride being an FDU guy and I, that what the team did. You know nobody. You know when I when I was in school, um, I used to do these stupid radio things, and I used to say that that uh, Fairly Dickinson was the brother of Angie Dickinson. In a form of the, on on TV, and it's good. We always would have butted jokes, and it was good to see the school, you know, get some national recognition. And and uh, I remember the game that they lost. I think they were losing by two points, and they had a turnover. I, it was, I guess, it was, it was in Florida, and whatever the score was in Florida, they had a chance to go ahead late in the game. Yeah, I mean, and they, and they had a turnover, and they could have won that game too. But uh, you know, I, I'm still in touch with. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys I was friendly with when I was the SAD, like Seth Greenberg is the uh, sure. the analyst on, SN, uh, on ESPN, so we stay in touch. I'm a kind of a group of text with those guys. Uh, so I mean, a special sense of pride that, uh, you know, that we had a couple of good wins. And, uh, and when we keep it, keep it up. And when we spoke last summer, you said Alabama was like a father figure to you. Can you just yeah. explain? He, you know, he and Ruth were uh, – were you know just great people we used to go to their house for Thanksgiving all the time and uh you know Al's bark was you know he, he gave the appearance like being a tough guy but he had a heart like anything and you know I mean he um we a couple of years I was here we led to the country in, in defense and we weren't afraid to play to anybody one time he was on a coaches here for an army I think when Krzyzewski Bobby Knight now were together yeah. in army and he U.B. Brown, who's still uh, doing games on TV, yeah. you know, says Al was the greatest coach he ever was around, and he great sense of defense, how to get the best out of his guys, and you know, and you know, I always liked the way he used to comb his hair. He didn't have much hair. He had to be the, the swing along hair. He used to have the one hair and kind of curled it around his whole head. Yeah, well, I talked. To, I talked to U.B. Brown. He's probably. He said he was also probably one of the best dressed. People and I was immaculately dressed, you know. And we played this at Dumpy Gym in Rutherford, and uh, you know, we had some good years, you know, and uh, had some good wins. We, 
you know, we'd be George and Georgia. Um, uh, and we just, you know, we just, we, we were competitive because of Al's coaching ability. And then the accident, you had the the one player uh, at 76. No, Noki Johnson, uh, we, we, we were coming back from a game with Iona, when Jim Valvano was a coach then, and uh, it was an icy thing on Route 17. And, um, you know, Noki Johnson, George Lighty, and, and and Redonia Duck were in the car, and and unfortunately, uh, when when Noki Johnson, who was a freshman from Plainfield, New Jersey, yeah, sure. and he, he was killed in the in a crash. And uh, you know, Redonia Duck is one of my claims to fame. I got right on uh, his first team All American name team, yeah. Redonia Duck Junior. Yeah. <laughs> and his he had a sister named Daisy Duck, and didn't make oh. it. <laughs> Daisy and Red, Red Duck. Yeah. So. Just talk about the accident. That did that set you know coming? You cancel the next two games after that, right? Did that, right. Did that kind of set the team back or set the? Well, yeah, because Noki was a hell of a player. Noki could have played at any major college around. He great big guard, you know, from Plainville, and and George Lighty was a I think it was a junior college transfer, if I remember, and and so was Red. And he read with it. Red came back and played, and George, if my memory serves correctly, wasn't able to come back and play because he hurt his leg badly. So he was two two pretty good players from that day, and uh, it was tough on Al. You know, those were his kids, and uh, you know, it's kind of a crazy setup that we had to go. You know, we we came back, you know, to Rutherford, and and we had we we went by car to Teaneck, which Route Seventeen at that time, when, when the weather is bad, is a pretty treacherous road. Sure. So talk a little bit about Al, like off the court. How was your relationship? Well, I know on the court he was defensive tactician, but like off the court, how, how was well, your he was just a you great human being, warm and uh yeah, family guy with, with Ruth and uh he used to take me out to dinner a lot, made sure, you know, uh, you know, my 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 I my that time, you know, when he used to invite me and my mother there for for Thanksgiving. Like he tried to give this impression, he's a big gruff guy. But down deep, he had a big, big hearted soul. He's a good guy, and you know, and uh, he cared about his kids. You know, I mean, he he could have gone to a, another school and got teams in the NCAA, but you know, he got the most out of the, the guys he did at FDU. You know, he the way he approached, and you know, he, he and it just you know, he. I remember going back to the accident for a second. You know, Bobby Knight came to Rutherford to talk to the team, tell them to keep their daubers up. Uh, you know, and then after Al left Fairly Dickinson, he went on for a couple of years. The coach was the great Luke Hornacek at St. John's. Yeah, sure. And I think we got, you know, Al was around Chris Mullen and uh, Mark Jackson, Walter Berry, and guys like that. Yeah, I mean, that was a great But What what made him leave Fairly Dickinson? Obviously, you know, the uh, I don't think it was his own uh, volition to be honest. It was like, uh, I don't think he had a choice. Agreed upon or, or no. I think it was probably time, you know, that. The, 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 he, we had reached limits of what we were, do, were doing. We were losing a lot, and at that time, we—I I don't my memory of it wasn't any notice of the uh, of the of the building. So I guess it was kind of mutual thing when they left, and Al and Lou. As soon as he left, Lou invited him over to coach with him, and uh, I spent many nights on the St. John's campus watching, uh, you know, Red Storm play. Yeah, I was saying, that. did your relationship continue? Oh, right to the end. I spoke at his funeral. Yeah. It was, it was nice enough that UB Brown was first, and I was nice yeah. enough to tell. Uh, I used to room with Al on the road a lot, and he used to wake up in the mornings when his uh, 
his one piece of hair was over his eyes. <laughs> it took him a little while to get ready to go with his hairspray. Yeah, well, you guys were both in Queens. I mean, you you started, you left FDU, went to the Mets, and he was in St. John. So I, it's good that you kept the relationship. Yeah, I did. And I was it was it was on enough that I was able to speak at his funeral, and uh, I, I I keep in touch with some of the FDU players. And Ruth, uh, I spoke to Ruth uh, about a little while ago. She's in a, a home in in New Jersey, you know. So I try and keep in contact with her. And, and how how if you had a rate how you've been around sports a lot and watch sports a lot you know being you know with your your, your book how good of a coach was he overall I mean I, I get the feeling that he was underrated like that's why big time I, underrated big time I mean, great sense of the game great defensive positioning you know at that time is no clock right yeah. so you know his, his thing he got it for Bob and that was ball you man that's when we play difference you know ball <laughs> you man and. Uh, I mean, we got he drained every sense and sense of talent out of the guys we had. You know, we had 500 seasons, and we were the games we lost. We were competitive. We very rarely got blown out of games. We used to win games like 50 49, you know, 56 53, you know, and stuff like that, you know. And, uh, and we just didn't have the scores. They didn't able to drain the clock, was there was no clock at that time. Yeah. And you said you spoke at his funeral. What 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 are some of the things you said as far just, as just what he meant to me as a person that uh, you know he, he treated me as a son. You know he had you know uh, and that he was always made sure had some place to go for the holidays and you know we used to go out to eat after the games. It was more of a family thing than a working arrangement. You know what I mean? You know Fairleigh Dickinson wasn't a great school, but top school. You know large school at that time and. Everything was we were all bonded together. You know, have the team meals before go to a diner to you know just go to the Belleville diner after the games, and you know we spent holiday time with him. And so it was, uh, you know, I kept in touch when we got sick. And you know, again, I was fortunate enough to be invited to speak at the funeral. And then you went from FDU to the Mets job. You talk a little bit about how how you got uh, how you got that. Well, I got I got the Mets job because of really the stuff that I did with the Met, with, with the FDU. Mm -hmm. After, in nineteen eighty, the Mets were really a bad team. It was the Yankee Town? They were looking for a PR guy with with kind of a human interest background. So I worked with people at FDU. We had a one arm fencer, <laughs> an Arab Israeli goalie on the same team, a forty four year old priest who played hockey, baseball player who played pitch one hundred twenty eight times, a wrestler with six kids. Mm. Uh, a high jumper jumped two feet of his head. Mm. So that came to the attention of the uh, Mets people that they knew I wasn't a normal PR guy. So, uh, you know, because of the, you know, and my first stories with the Mets, I did a story on uh, Lee Mazzilli as a speed skater, Doug Flynn as a country and Western singer, you know, Craig Swan as a trainer. So the first couple of years until we got good and, you know, until it turned around in 83, we, we got Daryl and Keith. Those are the kind of stories I was working with. And how good were those teams in the 80s? I mean, he only won the one yeah. World Series, but, I mean, Strawberry Gooden, you know. Yeah, I mean, from 84 to 90, we averaged about 90 wins a year. We won 108 in 86, 188. And if there was a wild card in that year, we would have been in the wild card every year. But, you know, we did miss. It was kind of frustrating. You know, in 88, we beat the Dodgers 10 to 12 times, and we wound up losing to them in the, uh, in the in the seventh game. 
you know, we, and we lost to the Cardinals the last day of the year a couple of times. So, you know what, though, the teams were great teams. And, you know, it was, you know, Davey Johnson was the perfect manager for that group with guys, the group of personalities. It was a, probably the big, you know, most c- consistent era of success that we had in, in that time, 84 to 90. And in the documentary, I, I know that there was also some questionable moves, like, I mean, get rid of Mitchell, Kevin Mitchell, and everything. I mean, yeah. you know, like, do you think that kind of hurt that chemistry? Well, like, Kevin yeah. Mitchell was one of the heartbeats of the team. Yeah, him leaving was, um, you know, was, you know, probably in retrospect, yeah, it's hard to second guess, but him leaving yeah. probably wasn't the best move. He played all over the field, shortstop, outfield, yeah. third base. Uh, and he was, uh, you know, a California kid. He did everything. And the veterans loved him. The veterans, they called the world B Mitch because he played all over the place. <laughs> but that probably wasn't a move that worked out for us. Yeah, but then though you said I, I did my research, but you said Wilpon, the Wilpons were very good to you. And then, great, uh, they were great to me. Yeah, they were. They, I'm, I'm really, I'm, you know, Fred, Fred hired me in 1980, so I've been working for them for close to 45 years. And any time you could be in a place, uh, you know, some place for 45 years, I still talk to Jeff a lot, you know. And hey, listen, the new owners are great; they're doing great stuff, but. All that happened before wasn't all that bad. You know what I mean? It was a lot of good, and they they set me up with my job. I think we're doing a great job with the alumni here, and a lot of these – Jeff wanted me to – you know, because I work with most of the alumni guys. So, you know, it was his asking that I took over, and, and we did things like the, uh, you know, the old Timers Day game. We had 68 guys back, and, you know, number of retirements, and the next year we were retiring with Doc and Daryl's number. So Jeff and Fred set the stage to do that. So, you know, I'm really, you know, they were, it wasn't all bad that went on before. Just let me say that. Yeah. But then a couple of years you know, later, uh, you know, they have the Grom. You, you had, they made the World Series and their pitching staff, you know, I, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm like, the Mets are going to be good for a while. And then yeah. just kind of fizzled out. So what, what happened? They, had, they didn't have, they had one turn. Uh, let me see. We had the Grom, Mats. Harvey, Synagogue. I see the Grom, Matt, Harvey, Synagogue, and uh, who am I missing here now? It was five and uh, Sugar. J- Jacob DeGrom, Stephen Matt, Noah Synagogue, Matt Harvey. Who am I? Who is the fifth guy? I'm losing my memory here. Well, I'm, did I say Matt? I'm, but anyway, injuries, you know. Injuries happen, you know, and uh, they all got her. Oh, oh, and uh, Zach Wheeler. Zach, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Zach Wheeler turned out to have the met, you know long term success. Just injuries, you know, it just didn't work out. And uh, I don't know if you guys were at the seven, the fifth game in the eighty, uh, the two thousand fifteen World Series. We, we, we're winning two to nothing. In you know, Matt, Matt Harvey walks off the mound. Stadium goes crazy. Terry decides to leave him in for the ninth inning. They tie the game up. We lose in the 12th inning. What would have happened if we would have won that game? Probably Mets history would have been different. But unfortunately, the guys got hurt, and they were never able to pitch together. Yeah. And what about the 2000s series, uh, series getting back to, like, the, the Subway series? You know, uh, they leave Lighter in there for – you think that was a mistake? I mean, No, yeah, I, I wouldn't have come out anyway. And I remember the ground ball. It was in 97 – Ground ball hops and went through the middle of the infield. 
Mm. You know, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, the key part of that series when when Zeal hit a ball, they thought it was a home run, and Timo Perez didn't run at third base, he got thrown out at home plate. You know, and we wind up losing that game in extra innings. Man, and just talk a little bit about the subway series about the vibe from the city. It was great. We had a I had a lot of friends I never found and people looking for free tickets and you know, <laughs> we we own the city and you know when uh you know we gave the Yankees a battle in the in the, in the World Series. I mean, you know, the great Yankee dynasty, we lost five games by a total of five runs, I think. You know, four games by a total of five <laughs> runs. So uh, I always felt that eighty that two thousand team never got the credit it deserved. You know, we, uh, you know, we won. We had a great preseason because we lost to the Yankees. You know, we didn't really get the credit we deserved that year. And then talk a little bit about uh, your your book, uh, and then just like the nine eleven and how, you know, the world kind of stopped for 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 two years. I mean, I'm not for two, for two weeks. You just talk a little bit about like what you did and the team did. Well, it was a team. It was a team effort. That probably anything for my legacy, being a part of that team. We had a group of guys who got it. Like guys like Johnny Franco, Al Leiter, Ramon Ventura, Todd Zeal, Bobby V, uh, uh, Edgardo Alfonso, and Marlon Benitez. We got what needed to be done. We had the city heal. Uh, we went down to ground zero a number of times uh, um, to speak to the firemen and the, uh, and the and the police. We were the first team to wear the uh, the hats for the for the agencies who had lost uh, people on 9/11 and. Uh, uh, we, we we got that going. It just was good to be part of that. That we, you know, we made it. You know, everybody talks about Mike's home run, but there's a lot more than that than that. The visits to the hospitals, the schools, the, the, the we, we 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 with Tuesday's children start off. We took care of the, um, the 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 kids who lost a parent at 9/11. So it was uh, it was it was uh, probably one of the most proudest things it was a part of that team. And then just the current state of baseball. Like I used to be a diehard baseball fan. I knew like, did what happened? Like, did the world speed up? Uh, you know, it seems like baseball is having a hard time capturing some of the, some of the fans are like, what, what, what do you think your opinion is of well, like the, the sport is kind of, is it? Well, I actually like most of the new rules. I'm not crazy about the runner at second base, but I think the pitch clock, you know, I've sat through a lot of 20, 21 inning games, and, and honestly, they're not fun. And yeah. I, I like to pitch cock, uh, you know, um, a lot, not, not, not crazy. I'm, I like the positioning, too, because there are a lot of, you know, cheap hits. It's kind of made the infielders more, you know, it's, it's more pertinent, you know, to get a hit. And uh, the one rule I don't like is the runner at second base, you know. I mean, uh, you know. I guess it cuts down in the game. So I think the rules are pretty good, to be honest with you. You know, and, and I think the, you know, like the time the game went down almost a half hour last year, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're, you know, I mean, we're, you know, look at the places you win. I mean, we got a, you know, we have a new management team now, and hopefully we can get off to a good start. And uh, look at the Arizona got into the playoffs last year with 84 wins. Yeah, so you just got to get in the play. You don't have to win your division; you just got to get in. Yeah, and then what do you think your outlook is for, for next year for the Mets? Well, we have some stuff to do, but I think we have good people in, in control: David Stearns and Carlos Mendoza. We got to fill out the pitching staff a little bit, and uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, uh, I mean, the Braves are going to be competitive. The Phillies is there. Miami's going to get better. Washington's got a lot of good young players. 
So it's going to be tough. But I think we'll be right there in the mix at the end. And then a little bit about the documentary. Uh, you know, there was a, a part about your knee. Is that a true story? Or is that a made-up story about what's that? About you with the knee? Is that a, is that a is that a true story or made-up? Not going to go. The okay. knee is the non-negotiable. Okay. <laughs> we're, not, have, we're not have, talking about my knee. Okay. <laughs> Just talk a little bit about about the documentary. How how fun was it to just kind of revisit those times? Yeah, I mean, it was a crazy group of guys. I mean, I never knew what to expect when I got to the ballpark. And, you know, one thing, the 86 team, the league hated us. We always got the fights. If somebody threw at Darryl, there was a fight. Somebody threw at Kevin Mitchell, there was a fight. And that's the one thing I missed today. There's not enough fights in the game. I mean, uh, I mean uh, we got to, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it was just a different kind of team, a lot of different personalities. And, uh, you know, and it was uh, – we won, you know, 100 – we won 108. We won 116 games during the season. You know, came back from the dead a couple of times. Uh, you know, when Houston in game six, we were losing 3 nothing in the ninth inning. We won 16 innings in the playoffs. And then, you know, game six of the play World Series, we were – Losing by two runs, two to uh, two out to two strikes on the great Gary Carter. We came back and won. Yeah. So, so good memories. Yeah. Well, listen, Jay, thanks for the time. If you just okay. leave us with the Alabama memory, uh, I, I like I like the quote he said in the book. What, what did he tell you? Well, let's go back to the Springfield. You get the job, and then they're one and zero. If you just just uh, just talked about that story when. You, you you got the job. FDU was one and zero, and then then you know if you could take it from there. Well, I mean, you talk about the game in Maine. Yeah, the Maine. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we were it was my first day on a job, and uh, I was keeping score, and I transposed the wrong numbers in the scorebook. So we started the game with two technical fouls, and we wound up losing 68-67. And Al came to the scorebook, uh, the, the the scores table, and said. Now I know why FNNYU, why FNNYU dropped basketball and he walked away. Thankfully, yeah. things got better after that, though. Yeah. Well, listen, Jay, I appreciate the time. If you just have, uh, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you and your family, guy. Okay. And then, thank you for the time. I really okay. appreciate it. And Bye. thanks. For, all right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank uh, Jay Horowitz for his time. Uh, go out and buy his book, Mr. Met. Uh, and also, hope you have your holiday season. And look forward to another episode as the conversation continues at the Midlife Crisis podcast.